The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. In a speech made in 1863, Abraham Lincoln said the following. Now, just as a side note, this is not anything to do with politics, but who, what party do you think Abraham Lincoln ran, ran under besides... Uh, Colton there. Does everybody know that? Did y'all hear what he said? You did or didn't? <laughs> Does anybody know that? Take a guess. Who claims him? Democrat. He was a Republican. <laughs> Did y'all know that? <laughs> Abraham Lincoln, he was the first Republican president. It's pretty funny because today, you know, that Democratic Party kind of claims it as their own, and I, I would guess the vast majority of them don't realize that that's what he ran under <laughs> the pub- Republican platform. But he said this in a speech. I want, I want you to hear what he says. We have been recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown. But we've forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom or virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, We have become too self-sufficient and feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace. Too proud to pray to the God that has made us. Now, that's pretty good good words, isn't it? Uh, And what I want us to do this morning, if you would turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, and I want us to remember what God has done for us. And not only do I want us to remember what God has done for us, I want us to get excited about our privileges or what God has done for us, not only in our privileges, but in several things. Now, I told you last week, if you were here, uh, I'm a guy that don't get really overly excited about too many things, and uh, so I do get excited occasionally. So even the most reserved person can be excited sometimes. And when we read in First Peter and what Peter has to say to us, uh, folks, we as Christians should get excited. Maybe even excited enough to say, Amen. <laughs> no, say, Amen. You know, don't say it where nobody can hear it. Because you might be labeled charismatic. But uh, we could get excited about what Peter has to say through the direction of the Holy Spirit. And remember right off the bat, this is 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, to God's elect. So he's talking to Christians here. So we don't have any question of who Peter's talking to. If you're a born-again Christian, if if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, Peter says this is for you, and he talks about those who are strangers in this world, and he gives a list of places. I told you last week, uh, uh, God's chosen people have been under captivity. They're in Roman rule. They're spread out over all of these different areas. So Peter writes to them. 
He says, you who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and the sprinkling of his, by his blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice. Though for now a little while you may have sufferings and griefs of all kinds, but in this greatly rejoice. So what I want us to look at today, and we kind of started this last week and got through the first part, is the key passage that we're looking at today is this, in this, in these things, Paul has, uh, Peter has just written these things, and he said, in these things greatly rejoice. So I want us to look at the things that he wrote about uh, for us to greatly rejoice, and we're going to just touch on what we uh, mentioned last week. The first thing that he talks about is we are a privileged people. And verse 1 and 2 uh, shows us that we are privileged to, to be chosen by God. And we talked about the fact, and I want to just remind you as a, just as an illustration about what it's like to have a, to be privileged in a certain situation. You know, we talked about uh, having someone that had the keys to the, to the, the backstage, so to speak. Somebody that can take you places that, that all the crowd can't go, but you're privileged if you have that ability to, to go into certain places that others can't go. Now, everyone can go to heaven. Not everyone will go to heaven, but everyone can go to heaven simply by accepting Christ as our personal Savior. When we accept Christ as our personal Savior, we become a privileged people. And the reason we're privileged is God has chosen us. It says right there in verse 1, Apostle Peter, apostle of Jesus Christ, strangers scattered throughout these areas, being elected according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Now, God elects all of us to be saved. It's our response to respond to Him and to follow through with the Spirit's calling. So you have been chosen. Just think about that a minute. In that, greatly rejoice. You're the winner. God chose you. He, he saw you. He sought you. He chose you. And not only did He choose you, you're privileged in that He chose you, but He also cleansed you. It says there in verse 2, through the sanctifying of the Spirit into obedience by the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, we've been cleansed, we've been made whole. It doesn't matter how sinful we've been, it doesn't matter what kind of life we've lived, it doesn't matter what's in our past, we can't be too wretched or too blind or too lost that God hasn't come and cleansed us. He's made us white as snow, and when God the Father looks at us, Through the blood of Jesus Christ, you know what? He doesn't see our sin. He doesn't see our failures. All he sees is the blood of Jesus Christ with a tag mark paid in full. The the sins have been paid for. This person has been cleansed in the blood of Jesus. That's something we can get excited about, to know that we're clean and that we're cleansed and that we can stand before a holy God as, as faultless and blameless and holy and true. And not only has He chosen us, not only has He cleansed us, He also changed us. And that process is an ongoing change. Scripture says we're being created daily 
in the image of Christ. We looked at a scripture last week, 2 Corinthians 5.17, that says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, and old things are passed away, and behold, new things are coming. So God has changed us. He's taken away a sinful nature that we were born with. And with that sinful nature, He has replaced it with His new nature. And we become a part of God, and we have God's nature. So we've been changed. Folks, we can rejoice in that. Remember, He's writing to folks that are in captivity. There are folks that are, He says here, they're strangers, they're aliens, they're in a foreign land. But He says, hey, remember these things. God has chosen you. I want to just take you back to the Old Testament We're not under the Old Testament. We're not under the law. We're under grace. But for those folks that that Peter is, is talking to here, they would have remembered that they are the promised people. Israel. Did God make a covenant with them that they were the promised people and that they would return to their homeland? And he's going to keep that covenant. He's still going to keep that covenant. We get over in Revelation and begin to talk about what all Revelation is about and the rapture of the church and and Israel returning to God. That's that's when His promise is fulfilled. We don't even have time to talk about that this morning. But but when they begin to hear Him, we begin to understand that they are God's chosen people and, and that He's cleansed them, that He's changed them. They would have had a different thought than us today. So I want to start this morning with kind of where we ended last week. That's the first thing we can get excited about. The second thing is, we can get excited about our hope. We have some hope today. We have some good hope. Blessed be, this is verse 3, Blessed be the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy has has begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Jesus went to the cross He died for our sins. He took the sins of the world. They were placed upon Him. Remember, you go back to the old law again, the old covenant again. Once a year, the priest went. He took the sins of the people. He placed them upon a sacrificial lamb. The lamb was slaughtered upon the altar there, and it was a sin atoning sacrifice for the sins of Israel. Every year, every year, the priest done that. When Jesus Christ came, he died for our sins. He became the atoning sacrifice for our sin. We go through Scripture, he did it one time for all time. In other words, every year we don't have to go and be re-forgiven. God forgave us of our our sins through Jesus Christ. But not only was he sacrificed... He defeated death. He defeated Satan. And he rose again. And Peter declares here, because Jesus was raised from the dead, we who are Christians have hope. We have hope of eternal life. It's not some kind of wishful thinking. The Bible speaks here about hope. And and this is what it is. It's a confident expectation of things to come. It's not some pie in the sky, oh, I wish this would happen, or, or oh, I hope this happens. It's something that we can have confidence about. And we can be confidently expecting things to come. And that is our hope is our bodily resurrection in Jesus Christ. So our hope is this, we're not ever going to die. Think about that. I would, I would venture to guess nobody here is just saying, boy, I just can't wait till I die. You may be, because we have a blessed hope. 
In other words, you may say, well, you've preached about this, Jake. You, says in the Bible, you said it says in the Bible that it's appointed once for man to die. We are going to quit breathing on this side of heaven. But you know where our next breath is going to be? It's going to be in heaven. In other words, we're not going to experience a second death. We're simply going to take our last breath on this side of heaven, our next breath in the presence of God, and that's our hope. And Peter says, man, therein rejoice in these things. Rejoice in the fact that we have eternal life. We have a blessed hope, a living hope that we find through our Father, God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy mercy has begotten us again a lively hope. You know, apart from Christ, we are pitiful. Apart from Christ, we're, we're desperate, we're wretched, we're blind. Apart from Christ, we have no hope. But Peter says here, but God, through His abundant mercy, has provided a living hope, a hope that we'll have in the future. Listen to 1 Thessalonians four sixteen. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Isn't that great? Therein rejoice. Oh, I'm sitting over here all sad and wishing you'd get through. We got lunch. Man, the Lord's going to come. He's going to shout from heaven with the voice of the archangel. He's going to shout so loud, He's going to wake these people up in these graves out here that are Christians. They're going to burst open. And with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and will remain shall be caught up together with Him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we shall ever be with the Lord. You know what? That's not wishful thinking. That's something that we have a promise in Scripture. That's something we can find hope in. Folks, that's something we can get excited about. Just knowing that one day we have a confident expectation that we possess as believers, and that's a hope that we're going to have a resurrected body, that we're going to be in the presence of our Lord and Savior. I could just talk about heaven right now, and I think we get the wrong idea of heaven sometimes, and we think it's just going to be a, a long church service. It's going to be anything but that. It's going to be back to the Garden of Eden where God has given us a place to work and to live and to provide. And the good thing is there's not going to be any thorns or any thistles or any rocks to fly up and hit you on the arm or anything like that. And y'all may not know what that's about. Some of you do. We can get excited about that. That's the hope that we have, the hope of a resurrection. Here's the third thing. We can get excited about our inheritance. Well, we need to be excited about that. We have an, an inheritance, and it's priceless. And it's going to be revealed from heaven to those who are saved. An inheritance is something that's received as a result of a personal relationship. Folks don't leave their inheritance to, to somebody they don't know or somebody they've never seen or somebody they never heard of. They leave their inheritance to someone that, that they have a relationship with. The same is true for us. God the Father has an inheritance that is waiting in heaven. It's available to those who have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want us to consider a couple of things about this. And this is interesting if you listen. I want to go back and remind you who Peter's talking to and the time they're living in. They're in these areas. They live. The enemy would come in. They would take over. 
uh, what they had, their inheritance that is to come. They would take all that away from them and they would live there with no future. So as we look at this and we begin to take into account what, what, Peter's, really ta- what Peter's really talking about here, they'd understand what this inheritance is. And a couple of things he mentions about this inheritance that's applicable to them and it's applicable to us today. The first is this. He says our inheritance in verse 4, the first part of verse 4, is it's incorruptible. And Peter's writing here this letter and he's watched the Romans come in and destroy all of these cities. And they, as they come in and destroy these cities... He wants the, uh, the people that he's writing to to understand that they possess an inheritance that can't be taken away. Folks, that's the inheritance we possess. It's something that, that can't be taken away. It's valuable. Matter of fact, it's priceless, and our inheritance cannot be invaded by an enemy. And the Greek word here, incorruptible, listen to what it really means, unravaged by an invading army. So as Peter said to his listeners, we have inheritance that's incorruptible. Here's what they heard. We have an inheritance that's unravaged by invading army. See how that makes sense? Man, would they get excited about that? I have an inheritance that's coming, and these invading armies, they can never come, and they can never take it away. Not only that, he says, it's undefiled. And that word undefiled means soiled, are stained. Our inheritance that we have, folks, it is going to be unspoiled. It's going to be unstained by evil. You know, this world, if we go all the way back to Genesis and the Garden of Eden, it was the perfect place. It was unstained by evil. And then when Satan come in and when man man fell, because of that, our world has been stained ever since. Even to this day, you have folks say, well, why do good people die, and why are there diseases, and why has God done all that? You know what all the answers to all of those things are? It's because we live in a fallen world. We live in a defiled world. And because we live in a soiled or a stained world because of that, not because of our sin, just because of the world we live in, we have things that come along that that soil us, that stain us. And in health issues, a lot of times that's what it is. It's things that's just inherited from, from generation to generation because of a sinful world we live in. You know what? We have a blessed hope of an inheritance that's incorruptible and undefiled. In other words, when we get to heaven, when we get our inheritance, we don't going to worry about sickness. We're not going to worry about all the things that we have to deal with today. And Revelation 21, 27 says, And there shall in no wise enter into this new thing, this new heaven that would defile us, neither whatsoever would work abomination, neither whatsoever that would make a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. When we accept Jesus Christ and our names are written in the Lamb's book of life and we're forgiven, that's all that's going to be in heaven. None there that are incorruptible, none there that would defy. Well, if we think about that, that kind of leads us to this next thought here that that Peter has to say. He says here in, in verse 4b, things that fadeth away not, or things that fadeth not away, are reserved for you inheritance in heaven. Let me just read that again since I pretty much butchered the whole thing up. 
and let's just put it together, we're, we have a hope of an inheritance of incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away reserved for you in heaven. Now, that's really exciting. This inheritance that we have, this promise to us, it's reserved for us in heaven. Now, let me explain to you again the context of the times. During this time, families would go plant olive trees or olive orchards. And it took 23 years for an olive tree to be fruit-bearing age. That's a long time, isn't it? So this generation would plant olive trees, and in 23 years they would start getting olive. They would start getting fruit. And through those times, this generation would leave to this generation, this generation would leave to the next generation, on and on and on and on. And so that was their inheritance. Their inheritance was this olive tree or this olive grove or however, however they would have had it during that time. When an enemy would come in, they would go in and just wipe out all the olive trees. And what that did was when that, when that invading army come in, that took away the next generation's ability or inheritance and they had no way to provide for themselves so that was the warfare of that day we're going to come in we're going to take your inheritance and we're going to destroy it and when we destroy your inheritance you're not going to have anything for the future now keep in mind that peter's writing people that are suffering and in these these following verses of this chapter his goal is to bring them back to a hope he he wants to return them to the hope that they can possess and he tells them hey keep fighting because though your inheritance appears to be destroyed though they've come in and they've wiped out things that you've had for a long time it's not going to be faded this inheritance as I'm talking about it's not going to be faded away it's not going to be taken away but it's reserved for you in heaven it's going to be kept for you in heaven that's something (coughs) excuse me that's something we can get excited about just knowing that we have an inheritance, it's not going to be spoiled, it's not going to be taken away. We look around today at some of the things that's happening in our country, and it's so easy for us to focus on those things and say, we're just going to hell in a handbasket, and I don't know what we're going to do, and I don't know what the future holds, and, and we cry gloom, and we cry doom. You know what, folks? We're strangers here. If you fly to any country, and while you're in that country, you look around and you realize the government's doing that or doing something and you don't agree with it, it doesn't bother you that much. Now, you may have compassion on the people, but you know what? You're thinking, well, I'm glad I don't live here. We go to Mexico on mission trips when I was a youth minister. We'd go down streets of, of dirt streets with houses on each side made of haydock blocks and pallets with cardboard roofs, and we ministered people, and we came back and said, boy, I'm glad that we don't live like that. But every day when we'd come back and we'd have our meetings, we'd say, you know what, I have compassion for these people, but boy, I'm so glad that that we're visiting here because I have a home. And I know what my home's about. And folks, as Christians, we need to understand wherever our world is today, however things are moving today, we're just strangers. We're just visitors here because God has something in in store for us, an inheritance that's not going to be taken away. We can get excited about that. Here's the last thing this morning. We can get excited about our security. I've kind of touched on this a couple of times. But look at verse 5. We have an inheritance. We have some things to get excited about. 
We've talked about all of them that Peter lays out here. And we're saying, okay, here's some things to get excited about. And here's what secures it all. Here's the key to all of it. They are being kept by the power of God through faith until salva- unto salvation, ready to be revealed in that last time. Peter not only revealed that their inheritance is reserved, he reveals that to them. He also claims that they themselves are kept by the power of God. I want to back up one more time. Where are these people? They're in captivity. They're in a sinful nation. They're living among people who thinks they are a sinful people. They're living amongst people that says they're outcast. Hey, we don't want to hear about your God. We don't want you to worship your God. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna break you down every chance we get. That's where they're living, kind of like we're living today, but much worse. But Peter says this, hey, your inheritance, the things you are, they're kept by the power of God. John 10, 28 says, he's talking about the power of God to hold us, to keep us. says, and I give my children or my sheep eternal life, and they'll never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand because my Father God, which gave them to me, Jesus Christ, is greater than all. And no one can pluck them out of my Father's hand. You know, we're not saved because of what we do. We're saved because of what Jesus do. Where's, where's the, bless his heart. She just looked up here and said, bless his heart. <laughs> Jesus did. It's just a little English slip there, and I knew it was coming from back here on the back row. We're not saved because of what we do, but we're, we're secure because of what Jesus did. We're, we're, we're held by God's security, not because of what we do daily, but because of what Christ done on the cross. And He has a hold of us. And the Bible says when God gets a hold of us, when we've accepted Him, nothing is going to take us out of His hand. He's got, us, he, he's got a hold on us, and nothing's going to get us away from that. If we simply put it, we we don't er, uh, work to earn our salvation, and we can't work to keep our salvation. If we could, or if you tried, we'd fail. And Peter says this, our salvation is this. It's kept by God. It's reserved by God. God has a hold of this. Philippians 1, 6 says this, Being confident of this very thing, He that began a good work in you will perform it, will complete it, until the day of Christ. If you have trouble struggling with the security of your salvation, I want you to underline that verse right there. There's many you can underline. You can go to John chapter 10 and underline that, 28, 29. We're at 26, 27, 28, and 29. But Philippians 1, 6, I want you to hear this, and we're getting ready to close. Be confident of this very thing, that Jesus Christ, when he began a work in you, he will complete it. He will complete it. He will, he will be performing that work until the day of Jesus Christ. If we can lose our salvation, if we can lose our security, that verse is not true. Because if we could say this, well, I was saved and Christ began a good work in me, but somewhere along the line, I was lost. That makes this verse a lie, doesn't it? Because it says here... 
Let's go all the way back to the very first. What are we? We're chosen by God. We didn't choose God. He chose us. We accept God. He saves us. When He saves us, He begins a work within us. And He who began a good work in us will complete it until the day that Christ returns. We're not going to fall away. We may fall away, but we're not going to lose our salvation. We may get off on a... Dylan said last week, the, the young man that came and spoke, he said, God, you may get on the wrong road, and sometimes God might snatch you up, and sometimes He may just take a, a little detour and lead you back to where He wants you to go. Not to say we're not going to fall off the path sometimes, but God is not going to let us go because He's going to complete the work that He started in us. When Peter talked to these folks, he said, get excited about this, that we're secure in Jesus Christ. Just a few years ago, Fox News, 2004, made a report that came from the archives of general psychology. What's that when you go to psychology? Y'all are right there. <laughs> I knew that word. I just want to make sure y'all was with me. Uh, says research, researchers studied a thousand people aged from 65 to 85 trying to determine the importance of hope or a positive attitude in dealing with life. A thousand people. Almost 10 years of follow up. These researchers found that people who describe themselves as people of hope or people who were optimistic had a 55% lower risk of death from all causes and a 23% lower risk of heart-related death. Now, that, this is over a 10-year study that folks who have a hope, folks who have... Uh, optimism in their life. 55% lower risk of death from any kind of diseases, 23% from heart-related diseases. The study found that people of hope or people that was optimistic tend to be more physically active, drink less, and smoke less, and cope with stress more effectively. Now, that's, that's a study. That, that has nothing to do with, with what God's Word has to say other than it supports what God's Word has to say. Folks, if we live with a blessed hope, if we live with a, with a, 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 a mind of we have some things that we can be excited about as Christians, there's something that we possess that our world is so lost without. I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning. and We sing some songs this morning that said, you know, great is thy faithfulness and, and count your many blessings, name them one by one, and we just thought, and this morning as we sang, as we lifted our voices up, great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father, there's no shadow of turning from you. I want you to just this morning to be excited in the hope that we have. In the midst of our world, and we know it's going in so many directions, we don't want it to go in. We still need to be active. We need to be informed. We need to be voting. We need to be taking a stand. But you know what? This is it's the place we're visiting. We're just here for a short time. The Bible calls us sojourners, calls us strangers and aliens, just like these folks during Peter's time. They're, they're living in a country that's not their own. 
but we have a hope in the future. We have an inheritance that's going to be pure and holy. It's held by God, and we're secure in Him. So this morning, as we just come to a time of invitation, we that are saved, we have many reasons to rejoice, not focusing on the bad things and the heat and uh, what's going to happen to my hay grazer. I mean, that's what I worry about. We have things, yeah, we wanna, I want to pray for that. God's going to send us rain. I believe that. We have things that matter eternally. And we can focus upon those. When we start getting down about things, let's go back and refocus on that blessed hope that we have in Christ Jesus. And there may be some here today that are suffering for many different reasons. I don't know what they would be. I wouldn't try to list them or name them, but troubles discourage us sometimes. I know I get discouraged sometimes with troubles. God knew that we were going to get discouraged by troubles. He knew there was going to be circumstances that we get down and he don't want us just to put a false hope out there and, and say, well, I'm supposed to be happy. I'm a Christian. He made a way. I want you to listen to what it is. He says, cast all your cares upon me for I care for you. Cast all your anxieties, some translations say, because I care for you. The Lord knew we were going to have struggles in this life. He knew there were going to be times that we'd get down. He knew there were going to be times of drought and times of plenty. He knew there was going to be times that just the circumstances of our life cause us to bog down. But he says, during those times of life, would you come cast your cares, cast your struggles, cast your anxieties up on me because I care for you. He tells us in Scripture, if we're burdened down, he says, give your burden to me, and I'll make your burden light. You know, he says, if we're depressed, he says, focus on the good things, that which is holy, that which is uplifting. You know, if we do that, we... We move through that point of realizing there's, there's some issues, but I've got so much more to be thankful for. We have some blessings just because God loves us. He loves his children. And this morning as we go to a time of invitation, I don't know how the Holy Spirit might be moving and working within your heart. If he's calling you into himself, remember this, you're a chosen person. God has, has given you a privilege of saying, I see you today and I'm choosing you today. You know that through the movement of the Holy Spirit within your heart. There's no doubt when the Holy Spirit of God is working within you. It's our responsibility to simply respond, simply taking hold of that gift that he offers, that gift of eternal life. This morning you may be struggling with any kind of problem, any kind of thing that just you're dealing with in your life. Would you just this morning cast them upon the Lord? He asked us to do that. Give me your burdens. Give me your cares. Because I care for you. Father, I pray this morning as we gather in this place that we would respond to the wooing and the moving of your spirit.
Father, I pray that as we just consider your word, we as Christians would just rejoice today, just knowing that what we have and the promises we have, the, the circumstances of the day, they, just, they don't even matter because we have a blessed hope in things to come. Father, I pray that we as Christians, as we deal with circumstances of the day, we wouldn't be bogged down with them, but, Father, we would know that there's just a short time and, Father, there's joy in the morning. Lord, I pray for any here today that's just carrying a burden around. I pray today, Lord, that we would cast our cares upon you, that you would make our burden light, and your yoke would be easy upon us as we move forward in your will and by your direction. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.